Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of our podcast, Justice Seekers. Um, I'm Sanjana, I'm one of your co-hosts. Hi, my name's Amari and I'm the second co-host. Okay, so we're just gonna do um, an introduction, I guess like introductions um, about ourselves before we kind of get into it, just so you can um, know us a little bit more. Um, so as I said, I'm Sanjana, um, I use she, her pronouns. I'm from Swanee, Georgia, and I would say I'm extremely charismatic and motivated. I'm really passionate passionate about educating youth and increasing civic engagement in my community through digital advocacy, community organizing, and grassroots activism. And as a woman of color living in a battleground state, I've witnessed voter suppression firsthand, and I'm dedicated to not only fighting for change, but encouraging social and socio-political change and advocacy. Um, I love to write and express my opinions here at Vox. And um, I'm so excited to be able to sit down and talk with you guys. Hi, my name is Omari. I'm currently a 12th grader and I live in Marietta, Georgia. I'm 17 years old. I use she, her pronouns. And I would say that I'm open-minded and also very opinionated. Currently, I'm passionate about working with kids because I know that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. But um, I think I'm still on a journey of self-discovery. So I'll come back to you about more of what I want to do. Great. So um, just a little bit about Justice Seekers Next Generation, the name of our podcast. Um, so we are youth empowering youth who aim to promote inclusivity and diversity among youth and amplify underrepresented um, voices everywhere while informing and raising awareness to current day issues ranging from politics to mental health and everything in between. So uh, we're gonna get started. Our first episode is gonna be all about swing engagement, the importance of voter turnout, et cetera. Um, as you may know, um, two weeks ago was high school voter registration week. So I thought in light of that, uh, we would kind of talk about um, the importance of that. So I'm gonna first go a little why, how, how I became passionate about this kind of stuff. So I'd say it all started when I joined 21st Century Leaders. So 21st Century Leaders is an awesome Atlanta-based or Georgia and mainly Atlanta-based organization that I'm part of. And I actually attended a, um, a little webinar and there was a guest speaker who um, ran their own nonprofit about educating youth and um, informing people on why um, teen votes matter so much. And I think that's what pushed me to um, advocate for this more. I think because we live in a democracy, it's honestly so like essential that everyone who is eligible to vote, um, vote so that everyone's voice is heard and amplified. Um, so I'm just going to define, give a vague definition of um, civic engagement. So civic engagement is kind of working with your community to um, like address like issues of like public concern. And it's working in both political and non-political ways to protect values and just encourage change in general. And one of the biggest ways is kind of amplifying voices. Um. I think this is also a very important topic because I know, especially with the last big election that we had, like you could tell that a lot of candidates were trying to get the attention of young voters by like being on social media and things of that sort. And then also like younger voters 
I believe they're like the smallest, like 18 year old voters, like they're the smallest group of like voting. But um, yeah, we definitely need more young voters, more like teen voters in the polls. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. Um, I'm going to kind of shoot out some fun facts. Um, I guess make it a little background information, <laughs> some more background information. Um, I had the um, opportunity to hold a vo virtual voter registration drive last week for High School Voter Registration Week. But it was super fun because I am part of 18 by Vote, which is an awesome organization that we help promote um, youth voter turnout. And I was able to host a voter drive. And it's honestly astonishing to see how many people who are not, um, who cannot actually register to vote, but they will be for the next um, big presidential election, see how avidly they support like wanting to um, be able to voice their opinions and make change in their community. So just some cool um, fun, fun facts, I guess. Um, almost 4 million high school students are eligible to register to vote every year, but only six to 7% of them are asked to register by their school or um, part of their class. And I think within the past year, I'm not sure about you guys, but COVID-19 has made people, um, I think it's changing a little now, now the vaccines are coming out and um, life is hopefully returning back to normal soon, but it led people to isolation and COVID-19 led 40 to 60% declines in new registrations in many states, um, including Georgia during spring 2020. And yeah. But like, I think it's also really important to talk about why voting matters because a lot of a lot of people just ask, you know, there's like hundreds of millions of people in the US. Why does my vote, okay, not like hundreds of millions, like 200 million people. And you know, um, the past 2020 election, I think it was like the most people who ever went out to vote like in like decades or maybe even ever, but I'm gonna have to fact check that later. Um, but people are like, why does my one vote against all these millions matter? And it's because the margins are razor thin. Um, and also voting is a responsibility. It's a right that we all have. And by voting, you're kind of participating in the democratic process and you're voting for your leaders to represent you, who, who you believe align with your personal values. And voting is also the cornerstone of our democracy. And not democracy is a political party, but democracy is the way our country functions, where everyone has a voice. And voting is like the fundamental operating system of America. But obviously, in the past years, we've seen a major amount of obstacles um, to voting. And that's actually something we're going to touch on later. I just have one more thing, and I'm going to pass it over again. <laughs> um, but Gen Z will be the largest share of eligible voters in 2020. Well, 2020 happened, but like in the next four years, there is going to be some think about all the high schoolers right now. So, for example, I am 16 years old. I cannot vote in Georgia. I cannot register to vote in Georgia because I'm still 16. However, many people can um, register to vote like Simpsons like California and New York let you register to vote when you're 16, but here in Georgia, we have to wait till we're 17 and a half, um, which I'm not, but when I turn 17 and a half, that's the first thing I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna register to vote. Um, 
But yeah, I think Gen Z is really the way that we are going to turn these historical trends around and increase voter turnout rates. Um, and young people say like barriers are such a um, missing a deadline or lacking other information why they didn't register to vote. And I think that's why it's so important we get these resources out. Yes, like you said, I think it's really important um, to educate people, especially young people about voting, because honestly, until like a couple weeks ago, I didn't know that you had to be like 17 and a half. So I'm almost 17 and a half and I think that was just really good information. And I'm lucky enough to have like, or go to a school that actually tells us about voting, because if nobody had ever told me that I need to be 17 and a half, I could have registered to vote too late for like our next election. And then I wouldn't be able to vote because I think you need to register 30 days before the actual election. So I would have missed that. So like things such as, you know, telling people when they can actually register and when's the last day, it's very, very important to get that information out. And then voter apathy is just, it's a really big thing, like thinking that your vote doesn't count, which in the 2016 election where a lot of people um didn't go voting because they didn't like either candidate. I feel like a lot of people saw that your vote definitely does count because there were some people that weren't happy, but it's like, you didn't go vote. You know, it's like, you didn't even, like that could have been your voice and your chance to like have a change on your country. And if you didn't take the opportunity, then it's a little hard to like be very upset with the candidates if you didn't use your, um, your right to vote. Yeah, and I'm actually going to refer to a point that you said, learning about voting, like learn to register and vote at school. Honestly, I feel like I never was like told in going to a public school in Gwinnett County. I feel like it was never really like amplified. They never said, you know, register to vote when you're 18. They never made a huge deal because I remember so much in elementary school learning about like suffrage and how people gain their um, rights to vote. Like the things people went through just to vote, but yet we're not reminded of that in high school. I think civic engagement is something that has to be implemented into like public school education. This is something we might end up touching on in a future episode, but um, that's definitely something I also have so much to say like um, about, like why don't we learn these kind of things at school? Um, these things that prepare us for the real world. Um, but another, I guess, cool thing is I, if you guys, um, don't know um, what the John Lewis um, Voting Rights Advancement Act is, but it pretty much allows people, it goes against voter suppression laws and kind of combats a performative activism. And it kind of guarantees that by the bipartisan voting rights um, that uh, restores voters like full ability to legally challenge like racial discrimination in voting by investigating and enforcing action. And this is super important. And I actually am a member of High School Democrats of America, and I'm going to be meeting with John Ossoff's uh, legislative staffers and staff next week to be lobbying for this issue. And, um, and you know, this, this falls around a perfect time, October, November, we're wrapping up um, high school high school voter registration week, elections in November, and now I'm lobbying for this. And I will obviously update you guys in the next episode on how it goes, but I'm so excited because lobbying is honestly so great. It's one of the ways to really directly get your voice heard. Like, I'm going to be like, a staffer is like someone who kind of represents John, uh, a senator, like publicly. 
But yeah, I'm super excited for that. I wanna just add that, I thought that was fun. So I'm gonna kind of go over this cool study I read. I believe I was reading this on The Atlantic. Um, I was doing some research for this episode, but there was a poll conducted by the Public Religion Research Institute. Um, sorry, that was like a little bit of a tongue twister for me. Um, but they uncovered evidence of like deep structural barriers um, to the ballot, to like voting for like um, African-American and Latino voters, especially in 2016. Um, and like they found like um, voter suppression that was exi not existing, but that was like occurring in the 20th century carried over. And the real extent of like voter suppression in the US is so is like so contested. And it was like, you know, like poll taxes and literary tests like years ago. And yeah, we don't have the same like, um, it's not the same thing going on today, but it's not as, I don't know what the word is, um, but even though we're not seeing poll taxes and literary tests just to vote, but we're seeing a different form where um, minorities specifically, um, I know we're both um, POC and I think it's, I think it's just crazy because these are like, these like election laws are often like racially neutral and give like a sheen of legitimacy um because we're not really having a true democracy when uh, voices are being shut down and suppressed um but there was another poll conducted in june and it like surveyed americans about like experiences with voting and it was like they ended up anal analyzing the um what's it called analyzing the a result from the study by race. And it, it indicated that suppression is commonplace and that for POC, it's extremely much harder to uh, be able to vote and get out to a voting center or register to vote than someone who isn't, who's white. Uh, but 9% of the people, 9% um, of the black people who responded to that uh, research study or survey that was conducted and 9% of his um, Latino respondents indicated that um, in the last major election, so actually this one is referring to the 2016 election. So I guess that is kind of a long time ago, but that's where the facts are from. Just want to clarify that. Um, they were told that they lacked something to register to vote. So registering to vote is actually like can be a little hard at times, you know, you have to have the proper documentation and you have to have all these things like a DMV issued ID, for example. And they were told that they lacked this and only 3% of white people said the same thing. And um, I think it's like also getting discriminated against in voter like polls, like when you, um, at least where I live um, in the family that I grew up in, we always go voting at our local preschool, like the preschool near us or the elementary schools or whatever. And not in my town specifically, but there's times where people are literally hated against for voting for a specific party at um, at these polls. And it, and it, um, it kind of combats, uh, it puts a barrier against them for being able to vote. Well, I wanna like bring it back to when you're talking about the poll taxes and literacy tests, because like you said, they no longer exist in that form today, but even like the effects of, you know, poll tax and literacy tests, they still carry over into like some, um, especially like black people, like the way that they think about voting, like they think, oh, well, I can't register to vote or I'm not eligible to vote 
or thinking that their vote doesn't matter just because those things still have an effect on the mindset of people today who still vote. And then like even another like form of voter suppression is like when they were trying to like invalidate absentee ballots, but it's like, we're in a pandemic, you know? Like this is like, of course more people are gonna vote that way because a lot of people are kind of scared of COVID and don't wanna go out and wait in line with a whole bunch of people. But it's like, you're trying to take away those voices because maybe you want your candidate to win it's like you like that's just another way of suppressing people's voice in their way they want to vote yeah exactly I think it's really important to create a plan to vote you know um a, like when there's an upcoming election um deciding where you're gonna go to vote or um when what time kind of figuring that out you know I go with a friend you're going with some family um you can visit um, ballot ready, um, just Google ballot ready, one word or two, I'm pretty sure the same thing will come up, but you can go when's your registration deadline for your state, how do you return a vote by mail or absentee ballot, where can you vote and like what's on your ballot, or you can um, go to vote writers, you can Google that and their site, I believe it's just votewriters.org, um, but kind of what ID do you need or what if you don't have an ID, and there's always the election protection hotline which is just 866 our vote and they're always there for multilingual support um leading up to election day and i kind of want to emphasize why it's so important to have a plan to vote um because i think when something is kind of planned in ahead there are less things stopping it if that um makes sense um, and then there's some also some super great other organizations like the Civic Center and Rock the Vote. The Civic Center is aimed for high schoolers mainly to help them register to vote. And that's how I got my voter drive done. Um, they're super awesome. And they're always trying to, um, I guess, help people. Uh, I'm going to talk about another thing, kind of staying informed, advocating. I think um, in the past year, we talk so much about digital activism. I think we almost under, some certain people underestimate, uh, when I say certain people, I wasn't like targeting anyone. I was just like, in general, some people, like they don't understand the power that the internet has. Like a famous person, I don't know, let's say Beyonce. Like if Beyonce just tweeted, go vote, how many people would vote? Like if they really like track voter uh, registrations per day, like, even as a person on Instagram, if you're a high schooler, but most people who follow you are your friends, just telling them to register to vote, how essential that is and how important that is and how much of a difference that makes. You know, even if you just register five of your friends or 10 of your friends, that is so much. And historically, young adults have voted at lower rates than older cohorts. And like, young people are the new members of our democracy. Because, I mean, you can always be politically involved, part of the democracy, but like, once you're eligible to vote, you are part of the democracy. You are part of the future. You're making change. It's kind of funny how you say like, if Beyonce like posted on Twitter, how many people go register? Because like, this is just like kind of off topic, but I was always like, like, does this really do anything? But like I'm taking government right now in school and apparently that actually does a lot like one person just saying oh go vote who's famous like a lot of people will go vote just because of that reason so I just thought that was like a funny topic that I just learned about um but like also you're talking about like you're taking government 
and um, I am a junior in high school, so I am taking AP U.S. history, or I think all like people in my grade are taking like some form of U.S. history. And you know, we just finished talking about like Hamilton era, and I'm a big fan of Hamilton, <laughs> like the musical. Um, but now we're kind of talking about um, what's it called? Wait, um, like the history of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and how these rights came to be, like the history of our country. But I think it has a deeper meaning behind it, like democracy, how, you know, you have all these Federalists and wing, Whigs and like Democratic, Republican, Democratic Republicans fighting for like the, the, the framework of our country. And I think people tend to not shine. I mean, that's what I'm, I kind of just brought that up to like think about how I'm learning about how our country came to be. But I think it really goes into more of like the 20th century. So like the 1900s of how people, specifically people of color or people who didn't, um, people who were minorities got the right to vote. Like, you know, we're learning right now in school. Um, you know, people, only people who own land or, had parents who could vote or grandparents who could vote or something like that. Like how only, how only, what's it called? <laughs> Wait, what's the word? Um, how only they could like vote. Like if your grandfather could vote, like, I don't think that's fair. You know what I mean? And like, even I was talking before like Jim Crow laws and literacy, literacy tests and poll taxes. Like it just goes to show all these barriers that existed just to keep people from voting. Um, I, I honestly think we should talk about that more in school because I don't know about your class, but I feel like I also took, um, what was that? The class, AP US History, I took that last year. And I just feel like we don't focus enough on the struggles that people really went through. Like, I can say personally, we kind of grazed over that. Like, oh, Jim Crow laws, yeah, literacy tests that happened and then moving on. But I don't think we really focused enough on like the impacts that they really had on voters even after those things were eliminated. Um, but yeah, I'm taking government now. And honestly, I wasn't too stoked about taking government although I needed to graduate. I wasn't too stoked about it, but I really can say that I am learning a lot, which is why education is so important. But like, this is the most that I've like ever learned about voting and like our government and stuff. It's like, I'm about to be a whole adult in the, like into the world. And I'm like, isn't it like, this should have happened just a little bit earlier. Like I could have learned this information a little bit sooner. It's almost too late. I think it really depends on where you live, what kind of schools you go to. But for me, I feel like schools just kind of throw us out and they're like, go figure out how to do everything. Um, what I have to like teach us how to do that kind of stuff and this this goes beyond I think it really does go beyond civic education civic engagement and advocacy in general I think it goes beyond you know tell students how to do their taxes tell students how to be able to live in the real world some people don't pursue a post-secondary education like college or grad school or whatever and that's all right but you still got to teach us that in high school because it's so important um but I kind of, I saw, I was looking on, um, what's it called? This study on elementary school students, or sorry, not elementary school, uh, I misspoke. 
completely ignore that. Middle school students, um, I believe this was on brookings.edu, so it's definitely reliable. And there was a study that only one in four students could name the all three branches of government. Like for naming three branches of government, that's like, like pretty baseline, you know? Like if students don't understand the fundamentals of democracy in the American Republic, how are they gonna go out and be able to vote? Um, and also I think accessibility, okay, so I'm gonna talk about another thing. Accessibility, some words are just like a tongue twister for me. Accessibility to resources, like being able to learn about candidates, um, no matter what party you decide to vote for, no matter your opinions, being able to have your own opinions. I think that's that's a whole struggle, you know? Being able to find the right non, um, non-biased, the the nonpartisan, uh, I like the word nonpartisan, the nonpartisan resources. Um, you know what nonpartisan means? Nonpartisan just means you're like not affiliated with a political party, but I just clarify that. I didn't know what nonpartisan meant until like a couple weeks ago. And I was in this little, uh, what's it called, training event. Um, but I think it's so essential that people are being able to access proper resources, um, not just through friends and family, through what's been tainted through whatever they believe in. Um, it's extremely essential to establish your own, um, yeah, your own like values because your vote may not directly elect the, pres- the president, but if your vote joins enough, like other people in your area, your vote undoubtedly matters when it comes to the electoral results. Like, um, most states have like a winner takes all system where you know the popular vote winner gets the state electoral votes but there are also local and state elections to consider like presidential or other national elections usually like a significant voter turnout but local elections like they get such a small group like but like there's municipal i don't even know how to say that but elections coming up and i'm sure there's not gonna be that many people voting in them if you compare it to having people vote for presidential or ran well voted for the runoff and things like that like these little elections is what leads to either turning a state, like turning, um, what's called turning a state a certain way, like Georgia, um, we're like a swing state recently, um, or Gwinnett, we're blue, but you know, it took so long to get there. Uh, no matter your political party, I think you're supposed to establish the fact that every election matters, big or small. Yeah, there's definitely like a misconception that smaller elections don't matter. Like you can argue that they actually matter a little bit more because those are the people like directly making decisions for where you live. So it's almost more important that you vote in these smaller, not <laughs> these smaller elections because they're the ones who's going to be making direct decisions for your area. That was kind of like the main thoughts I had. Um, so you guys should definitely join us next week, most likely for our next episode. We're going to be talking about selectivism and performative activism. We're going to go super in depth on that, um, and really like voice our opinions on that. I think that's something that we are both super passionate about. And, um, so I'm going to kind of just give a recap of our episode today. So... Again, it's so important to register to vote. If you didn't catch what I said earlier, you can go to vote.org, you can go to rockthevote.org, the civiccenter.org, um, 18byvote.org. There are so many. Um, if you just Google how to register to vote, I'm sure you can find 
millions of search results on how to do that. Um, and remember, your vote matters because if you're lo looking in like, um, what's it called? Like a local perspective, um, it, it really changes, you know, your elected officials from your county or your, um, your representatives, like they're representing you. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm gonna talk about like how you can get your voice heard. So if you're not 18 yet, you're like, or, or you're um, not like a US um, citizen, you can still get super involved, be informed, you know, read up on like political issues in your city or county or like locally and nationally and kind of figure out where you stand, be able to reach unfiltered information and go out and talk to people, whether it's you influenced trying to convince people of your views or trying to just have conversations in general. You know, voice your opinions on social media, never underestimate social media or public forums. You never know who's listening or, you know, volunteer. Um, I know I did some phone banking when it came to the runoffs. And I think those kind of things help. I think people oversee, you know, when you get one of those spam calls on your home phone or your cell or whatever, um, you're kind of just like, oh my gosh, another call and you just kind of hang up. But I think those calls are honestly like what makes like a little bit of difference. Cause you know, you call like a million people and even just like a 25th of them pick up, that's like so many people. Um, but definitely your work, whatever you do to, even if it's small, reposting a post on your social media to going out canvassing, you participating in like a, election or like a, something like that, it matters. It's one of the key freedoms of American life, you know? And some people don't have that kind of freedom. So being able to exercise your rights and openly support who you want to support is so important. Yeah, I just, I really liked your point about like trying to find more unbiased things because a lot of people just kind of follow their parents' lead or follow their family's lead and don't even think about anything else and then like they end up like voting for somebody that they may not even truly support. It's just because they're not really educated on who they're voting for. Thank you so much for tuning in to our first episode. Um, I think most likely we're gonna do weekly episodes or maybe twice a, <laughs> twice a month. Um, but we are so excited to have fun, engaging, interesting um, conversations with you all, whoever you are listening um in the future but with that being said um i guess this episode is coming to an end but thanks again for listening and be sure to check out box atl their site boxatl.org and box rocks atl um, on instagram for updates but um thanks so much bye everyone bye